Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast. My name is Martin Thompson from the ITAM Review and I, it's my pleasure to have two gentlemen on the call um, from, from uh, new companies, well new to me at least, uh, and I'm keen to learn more about what they do and what they bring to the ITAM market. And in particular, we're going to be covering the, cop- the, the topic of data quality today and the, the quality of, of uh, data sources. So I've got uh, Dave Bowser from Raynet um, on the call and also Mike Jones from AirTrack. So if I could come to you first, Dave, could you give a quick introduction to yourself, uh, Raynet, for people that are not familiar with Raynet and what Raynet does? Yeah, thanks, Martin. I'm Dave Bowser, the CEO of Raynet Incorporated, based in Chicago, Illinois. Our headquarters is in Paderborn, Germany, where our founder and managing director, Ragib Aydin, is located. We're an international player with offices also in Stettin, Poland, Regensburg, Germany, Berlin, Germany, and the UK. The company was founded in 1999 and primarily focused around application lifecycle packaging services. For roughly five years now, we have transitioned into also a software vendor for the application lifecycle process from procurement, discovery, inventory to retirement. We have hundreds of customers worldwide using our software on several hundreds of thousands of devices. And in ITAM terms, I mean, I've, I've not come across Raynet that often, so forgive me, and, and I'm embarrassed to say that I don't know Raynet very well, and hopefully that will change over the next few months because you're joining us at the conferences. Um, but you're a good couple of hundred people, you're worldwide, you serve some very large customers, and you've got hundreds of customers on your belt. So um, have, would you consider that you're flying under the radar, or am I just an ignoramus, or <laughs> what's the deal there? Because we, we don't hear Raynet that often. Well, you, you mentioned the highlights. Yeah, we are worldwide, and we're between 130 and 170 people um, at different given times. I, I guess uh, we just um, aren't out there in that big marketing world like some of our uh, competitors are. We have very large uh, customers, and we're not, um, yeah, we're not known yet um, to the, the big world, but um, the big players um, certainly know who we are. Um, so. Yeah, and you've certainly got some, um, some pretty cool large customers on your belts, so kudos, kudos to you for that. And if I could come to Mike, Mike, um, welcome to the podcast. Could you tell us about yourself and your company and, and what you do? Sure, no problem. Thanks, Martin. So I'm from a company called AirTrack Software, and basically what we do is the continual verification of data source accuracy. So we've come from uh, an IT asset management background, an IT service management background, where what we were finding more often than not that a lot of programs were failing and people were saying the systems weren't working, but the actual issue was with the underlying data source accuracy. So what AirTrack does is take information from multiple sources, of informa- uh, multiple sources, be that computer inventory, organizational data, or other, and compare it to see how accurate it is against the baseline. So as an example, we'll take information from Active Directory, SCCM, a customer CMDB, their IT asset management system, and antivirus, apply a number of rules to that data, and basically say, how accurate is this source at this given point in time? And we continue to manage that um, over a given period to be able to say, show me all of the objects that aren't currently managed within my IT asset management system, and to give a a value to that data to say, what is the risk? So we're relatively new. We've been taking the AirTrack product to the market for about 18 months, uh, primarily focused in APAC, but looking to take that globally very quickly. So I'm I'm really really glad to hear what you're doing and... um we we um, spoke properly a couple of months ago to introduce myself to AirTrack and the way that I visualize things is almost like a Venn diagram. So you've got your, let's say you've got three data sources, you're overlapping those Venn spheres and seeing where the commonality and where the, the exceptions are, which is something we, uh, it's, it's a pet subject to the mind. I, I don't think enough people are doing it. Pe- too many people are banging on about the, the what's happening in their data set, their ITAN data, but they might only be talking to 80% 
of their actual estate and they might be missing 20 percent is that is that a way of describing it yeah absolutely and that's that's actually where the product came from so we did a, a piece of work for a large financial institution in australia and they said the the item solution that we implemented is broken and we then said we're not going to take your word for it right now we're going to do an assessment of the solution that's been put in place your business processes and your data quality so that piece of work was probably five or six years ago and it was a bane of my existence because I had to take 35 different data sources and do an assessment of that data quality and I did the, the normal things with VLOOKUP and spreadsheets and small access database and basically we said we're never going to do that again and that's where AirTrack came from. So we have the ability to connect to those data sources continually as he said put things in Venn diagrams so you can see the commonality and overlap between each data source and then track the accuracy over time so we can see whether we're getting better, whether we're getting worse, and be able to push that back to people so they can manage it as part of their KPIs. So our we have a, um, a methodology at the ITAM review called the 12-box um, uh, methodology, which is basically breaking ITAM into 12 pieces um, so that you can manage it more effectively. And one of those major pieces is verification. And the reason yeah. I'm so keen on data quality and verifying data is because if you're not doing it as a customer, then the auditor will or your supplier will catch you out if you're not doing it properly. That's that's is, is that if, if I could come to you first, Dave, what, what, when um, your customers are looking at data quality and obviously you're at the front end because you're helping them with inventory. Where does why? Why is data quality important to them? Well, actually, data quality starts um, um, a whole lot before that. And uh, just to mention, we believe and we also participate in a unified data concept. And not, uh, I wouldn't um, mix this up with the CMDB, but we like to bring all the data from the different sources into a unified uh, data concept. And the quality of the data actually begins way back at the beginning of the discovery. And we're finding, and this is where um, a lot of companies are lacking, they're just not discovering what devices they have out there. So to be able to evaluate the quality of the data, that's, um, that's one thing. But if you're not getting everything that's in your environment discovered, um, how good is that quality of that data? Because maybe you're not even getting data from that. So uh, we, we emphasize in a continuous discovery of uh, devices. And when I say devices, I literally mean everything from laptop servers, physical, uh, virtual, and maybe your refrigerator at home, a toaster, your printer in the office, anything that supports S&MP, et cetera, that has to be a living continued uh, process of what's coming in, what's going um, out. And then around the inventory, we break the actual uh, quality of data into two areas. We have that what the system is saying it has. So if, for example, you're on a Windows machine, it's going to tell you what applications it thinks it has installed. We don't believe that because we want to pick up all the raw data and bring it into a footprint, match it to what we say is uh, the application, and then we verify. So if we have a machine saying, I have five pieces of software installed in this version, and that matches the raw data uh, once we uh, do the recognition based on the footprint, then we say, okay, we must be pretty accurate because we don't have a delta between what the system thinks versus what the raw data is. And so here we have um, the checks and balances around the, the quality um, at that level. So whether it's one device or a million devices, and we're managing today um, um, over a, a few million of uh, devices, um, and this is the methodology and how we see uh, the quality of data that, that must be at a minimum quality-wise. Right. And, and uh, Mike, you've obviously built a, a new company over the last couple of years specifically around this. So there's obviously demand for this. Why is it important? If, if I'm working, doing my inventory, why, why can't I just say, let's just take a rough number based on what I've seen in the last 30 days? Why do I need that accuracy in the first place? Because some people might think this is just you're, being, you're nitpicking. You're doing admin for the sake of admin. What's the, what, what's the opportunity here? Yeah, absolutely. So this, this is one of the things that we find a lot when we go into customers, they trust the data that's coming from their inventory sources, be it SCCM, Rainnet, or other. And what, why it's important is because even if SCCM, if we're talking about a customer that's got 10,000 desktops, let's say, and there's only 500 desktops that are active in other sources, so Active Directory or Antivirus or other, that are not captured within SCCM and therefore not making it into, into IT asset management, 
if we just say that each of those 500 desktops has approximately $500 worth of software on each of them, that's a $250,000 risk that you're not potentially managing. Even though your system is 95% accurate, there's 250Ks worth of potential risks that you need to look at. And similarly, if those 500 desktops aren't in SCCM, then you're, uh, you're reducing your ability to service your customers, be it deploying applications, harvesting applications. And those desktops won't be available in the upstream processes such as ITSM for incident problem and change. And when you start to think about that in terms of servers, the dollar value associated with each server goes up, and therefore it's more important. If you've got 71 servers that aren't in UCMDB and aren't available for incident problem and change, that also means that they're not related to a business service, and that can have a significant impact. So it's more about the messaging and how you communicate the importance of data accuracy to the people who are responsible for the systems, because ultimately that will have a, an impact upstream. But surely, I mean, I, I get the incident problem change uh, and the service impacts, but from an ITAM point of view, if I'm not seeing £250,000 worth, uh, worth of risk, then the auditor won't either, will they? Well, so if I, if I take an example of one auditor that we've just gone through an assessment for with another customer, they use their own tools to pull information from multiple sources within the customer's environment. So they may do the same thing that we do. Um, Active Directory, SECM, um, Microsoft's map toolset, antivirus, and they will find the gaps you don't know about if you're not managing this yourself. Yeah, and and I'm 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 just I'm playing the role of uh, a cynic here, because I, I, I'm fully on your side here. But I'm just uh, trying to think of the CIO arguments about why should I bother doing this. Um, mm -hmm. So so what what's so what what techniques are the auditors going to use that we can't use internally? Surely we know our network better than the auditors do. Yep, and there's not been a single instance where we've dealt with a customer, Marcy, where. Um, they have 100% coverage of their inventory. And that could be across desktop or servers. These things you can do yourself, but they're very labor intensive, they're very point in time, and it means that you have to go through the same process over and over again. We've seen a couple of customers that do this themselves, and they do it quite well, but the, you can, it's dependent on people, their understanding of the environment, and the technologies that are feeding this process. What we look to do is to take that pain away so you can continually manage operational compliance and view it in dashboards. And Dave, surely you're, when you're selling to these large corporates, um, you, you have to do some expectation setting in terms of, you know, what sort of accurate, how, what's, the, what's the degree of accuracy I can expect with my inventory? So if you're dealing with 200,000 devices worldwide, is 80% is accuracy a good measure or do you what, what do you shoot for and what or do the customers not have any expectations what's your view there we we have um we're shooting for 100 percent, and the technology is there today uh, to get 100 percent and the problem is and it was mentioned earlier the gaps out there and the customers that have a good uh, inventory and a continuous discovery solution with recognition with rationalization in place are going to be and that's our, our customers are going to be 100% in position for any audit, um, and not just for audits, but it's a living process where they can make decisions whether they need to um, person, uh, purchase additional license, maybe they need to downsize a bit, um, et cetera, et cetera. The point is, is we're, we're reaching out to every possibility from network scans versed on, uh, based on um, subnet sweeps, we're picking up all physical machines that are on the network at that time. We're tying into any virtual um, hosting that you're doing, whether it's a VMware, uh, whether it's OpenStack. Um, so we're literally, we're, we're reaching out to DHCP servers. We're communicating with uh, your procurement uh, software, uh, whatever that might be. We're bringing all this into our unified data concept. So we're overwhelming uh, um, ourselves with all this inventory data and, and discovery technology coming in, and then we rationalize that, and we have everything out there. The only, and I can say from experience, the audits that our customers have went through, and they haven't um, had any difficulties of devices being um, found by an auditor, whether it was an Adobe, Oracle, uh, Microsoft, whoever it might be. Uh, we have had no issues of devices being found that we didn't already have in the database. The only issues that we've run into is that, um, and 
this is not what we do, our software. We do not do um, school evaluations and et cetera. We don't do license compliancy. We've targeted uh, the Internet of Things and we want to do that very well and be sure you have a 100% as much as 100% in the IT world can be of accurate information coming in. If, um, if your compliancy software that you're using isn't processing that properly or someone hasn't put in SKUs or someone hasn't removed or whatever, then obviously there's going to be a mismatch there. But we have, um, I can say we have no mismatches in the quality of the inventory data um, that we're picking up, whether it's raw data, machine data, whatever it might be. So, so, um, so there, was, there was a lot. I don't want to sound arrogant, but we're we're not going to have gaps in if we're using all this technology in a continuous uh, process. So there was a lot of data sources you just spoke of there. So, and this is a question to both of you. If I'm, let's let's just take a fictitious example that I've, um, you know, a company just acquired another company. And we want great visibility of exactly what we have. Uh, if you had a magic wand and you could cherry pick data sources to give the new owners a perfect visibility of what you have. Uh, so you'd, you'd pick inventory, maybe you'd pick SECM, maybe you'd pick antivirus, maybe you'd pick Active Directory. What, what would be on your wish list to get perfect visibility of, of all of that data? So from a from a, a desktop and server perspective or from a broader perspective? Uh, I guess, I guess uh, connected devices, first of all. So any, uh, uh, so yeah, sure. it, it, des desktop and server, say, first of all. Yeah, so we look at uh, a number of sources that people wouldn't necessarily think of as well. So you mentioned the, the core ones where we're talking Active Directory, SECM, antivirus, VMware, um, their CMDB their leasing records is another one that's interesting that not many people think about because when we pull in leasing information what we can see very quickly are objects that are still under an active lease contract that are not active in the environment and that's a financial decision that the customer needs to undertake but by bringing in all of this data we can say show me all of the the assets I expect should be covered by a particular inventory source and show me the gaps so it already gives um, the company who's acquiring company B a hit list of things that they need to address to remediate the operational inefficiencies of the company that they're buying. Right. That's, if I can jump in there, because that's what I spoke about, the procurement process. Um, you pinpointed leasing, but for me, procurement is, is um, you're bringing an asset in. So um, there is no, for just to correct this, there is no um, uh, magic wand. The fact that we use every possibility that the customer has and we do a complete network sweep which we consider to be uh, one of the key benefits is a continuous um, discovery process subnet uh, time scheduled etc obviously this has to be a well thought, thought um, scan so if you bring all the possibilities in that the customer has through our Raynet alignment check we know whether they have DHCP we know if they have a procurement or a leasing uh, process. We know if they're using um, Active Directory or not, and I specifically say not because we do have a ton of uh, customers that have no Active Directory in place whatsoever. And so the idea is, is to understand what landscape the customer has and simply be able to use all of those um, sources, bring them into a unified data concept, match that also to your network discoveries because everything is going to come onto the network um, at one time uh, or other and hope that you can pick it up. Maybe you'll pick up a device during a discovery and find out that you never have an inventory of it, but at least you're aware that, hey, I have a device out there that's not being inventoried. So that's the idea um, of using all the possible sources and why do we want to go that way? Really simple. When you do get audited or you don't get audited or you want to really know, am I spending money in the correct places, why would you not want to use all the sources that are available to you? Right. And, and maybe, well, one of the answers to that is I can't be bothered or it's too difficult, but we'll come on, <laughs> we'll come on to that. Um, so you mentioned a unified data concept, and, and I, I want to pick up on that because we've got things, we've got trends in the industry like a shift towards user licensing. And you've got the power of devices being more important than just the fact that it exists, i.e. the license model might be based on the power of the device rather than just the fact that it exists with some software on it. And all of this is like you've, there's lots of the dependencies to, to manage to say, OK, I've got this user. They're based in this location. They have 
this profile, but they also own these five devices. And it's in getting incredibly close to what the premise is for CMDB. And, you know, we get asked the question, should CMDB do ITAM and should ITAM sit within CMDB and all this sort of stuff? And my, my view on that is, well, let's come on to my view later, but what's your view on where ITAM finishes and where CMDB starts, uh, if at all? So I'll, I'll jump in here, Martin. So we've, we've seen a number of customers do this in various different ways. But for me, IT asset management is looking after the, the financial and compliance of the, the assets within your organization. So I, I like the view of horses for courses. What are you trying to do within ITSM and specifically within CMDB versus what you're trying to do in IT asset management? We know that there's a lot of vendors that say they can do the whole kit and caboodle, but they can't do everything well. So it's about picking the solutions that are suitable for your needs, understanding the data sources and what they can give you to achieve those needs, and then saying, should I do this in one solution or the other? So as I said, we've seen customers do good asset management within the CMDB from a hardware asset perspective, but they can't do good software asset management. So it's about where you, which solutions you use to fill the gaps that you need to fill, is my view. So would you populate some of this yeah, we've got this Venn, I've got this Venn diagram in my mind of, let's say, three data sources and AirTrack's doing a good job of finding the exceptions and find, finding out what is right and wrong. Would I put that as in a home in CMDB potentially or where, 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 does, it, where does it get involved? So, so coming from an IT asset management background where we deployed specific IT asset management solutions, what we, what we tend to do within our customers is that we use IT asset management as a reconciliation layer for the assets we care about within ITAM. So if we're talking about desktops, servers, we'll pull that information into an IT asset management platform and then push that information up into CMDB for the purpose that CMDB requires it. So we have customers that don't push desktop information up into the CMDB, but they really care about server information. What IT asset management does is collate the information from multiple sources, be it VMware, the Rainer agent, SCCM, whatever, ILMT, and then push the relevant information up into CMDB for its purpose. That's, that's my utopia. And for CMDB to push some information down to IT asset management, if it makes sense, and if the, the, the governance of the data within the CMDB is good. Yeah, I think the, the, um, your, your, the premise that you're, you mentioned about what's the purpose is, is a key one when it comes to CMDB, because... I, I almost view it like a um, like a local village hall uh, or you know local town hall because it might be the home, but you know one day you're having a wedding in there, the next day you got the scout troop, the next day after that you got the women's institute or somebody. They all they all have different motives and purposes, but they're still potentially using the same home if you see what I mean. And exactly what's important to ITAM might be completely different to what's important to service management and CMDB. Um, so what's your view on that, Dave? You mentioned uh, um, unified data concept. Could you dig into that a little bit? Yeah, that's um, it's a, um, a unique process, and I guess it's the methodology behind our whole uh, DIROCKY process. Uh, we don't believe in a lot of synchronization and replicating and copying data and et cetera. So when we talk about a unified data concept, I don't mean that we're going to necessarily have uh, adapters where we are synchronize data uh, from LDAP queries and bring it into our own database or bring data in from SCCM or from a, an, a, um, a CMDB, etc. But the unified data concept likes to use live data. So we actually uh, will build uh, through our own technology, we'll build that um, underlying layer, what we call virtual data layer, meaning that the moment that relevant data in a CMDB or in an LDAP, whether it's Active Directory, whatever it might be, the moment that changes, um, we're not um, in a mismatch because some synchronization agent hasn't run yet per schedule. Um, we have live data. So um, I'm glad you asked the question because some people think, oh, wow, then they have this huge, um, this, uh, huge data warehouse where they're just replicating all kinds of data into it. No. It's not a big database, but it has all the technology to uh, retrieve data, 
live as needed from the different sources. And so you won't go in our database and find um, all the DHCP information over the past months, et cetera, but the moment that you need it, that's when we retrieve it um, as a need cases. So um, the unified data concept just brings it all together and then based on the reporting, the uh, rationalization um, uh, matrix, et cetera, that we have running then uh, on top of the UDC, that's where all of this comes to, um, uh, to a usable um, user experience. So we're, we're not, and that's why I said early on, we don't um, consider ourselves a CMDB and don't want to be recognized as that. Um, we don't do uh, other things in this database other than around the inventory, discovery, recognition, rationalization, dependency mappings, um, et cetera. We're not doing other business processes in this UDC concept. Uh, with our inventory and discovery, or the die rocky process. So we've Marcy, just just sorry, go on. Sorry, uh, just one last thing on the you know, the the overlap between IT asset management and service management as well. I think that the the two obviously can coexist because they need to, but it's more about clearly defining the roles and responsibilities of each system and each team and what they what they are going to maintain within the data versus what the other team needs. So. Um, Lifecycle management, as an example, you know, it's, it falls well within the realms of IT asset management to track those objects, be they hardware or software assets, from request through to disposal. But in some organizations, that's handled by service management. As long as the attributes are managed appropriately and there's governance process in place to make sure that data is accurate, I think the two can coexist quite well. And there could be a handoff from data between one system or another or within the same system to meet the various purposes. So we've, we've talked about um, scope in terms of quality. So I might be managing in my assets really well, but I can only see 80% of them. So there's 20% missing. And you mentioned about you know, a quarter of a million dollar hole because I'm not managing all my assets. But there's also the data quality in terms of the device itself and whether it's accurate or not. So I think you mentioned, Dave, about you know, um, add and remove programs is, mentioned, is, is reporting five applications, but there's actually six because it's not add and remove programs is notoriously uh, weak, uh, things like that. Or perhaps it's reporting the fact that a user exists uh, in uh, Active Directory, but they actually left two years ago. And that, so we're talking about the quality of the data itself. What's your experiences with, with, uh, with data with your clients? And perhaps what advice would you give in, in tightening that up in terms of process and, and making sure that data is accurate? Um, it's... It yeah, the quality, um, I wouldn't just stick to add remove programs. That's why I said uh, for, it's about, for us it's about what the system, whatever that system might be, says uh, they think they have versus the raw data. And then the topic uh, for me now is around the usage. So it's, uh, clearly it's around the usage of uh, the software. So uh, we believe and we have an agentless um, and also an agent solution. So. Uh, we can place agents out there and monitor what software is really being used and also uh, what users um, have um, been used or logged onto machines or not logged onto machines. So when we talk about rationalization, and this is uh, also a source of data that we would bring into the UDC concept, um, what software um, is really being used out there. I know this is um, a, yeah, we have several customers that have, um, completely bought into the usage monitoring of software and we have others that say no this is an absolute uh, no-no but for those that uh, believe in the usage monitoring now we are uh, able to not just rationalize but able to determine whether that software that's out there on a hundred thousand machines is even being used on all of those hundred thousands of machines many times base layers of application deployments have been set they're all they're deployed to every device out there and uh, maybe only 10% of them's ever been uh, launched um, uh, or utilized. And the same thing around user management, um, et cetera. So whatever the assets might be, it's, uh, it's a continuous process of also monitoring the usage then. So, but what would you, what do you advise or what do your customers do when they find these exceptions? If they find something wrong with the data, it's no good just leaving it there because things will never improve, will they? What, what, what do they do? Do they have to build in a, governance process or who who how does that happen what do they well, I guess it depends on what the uh, 
uh, what the, the, the findings are. And uh, just to keep it simple, and we run into this uh, in occasions, the information that the system is saying it has um, around applications being installed, especially around uh, some uh, um, homegrown, et cetera, um, is, is completely um, wrong versus the uh, raw data. And sometimes this comes back to the packaging, and there may be um, uh, something wrong in the packaging where the application is being installed successfully, but uh, the queries and the technology being used to retrieve that from the system isn't reporting it back as being installed. So that's why we believe in that checks and balances of picking up raw inventory. And if I'm finding executables, uh, DLLs, whatever they might be, if I'm finding sources on a device that aren't being reported uh, through the system reporting, then I have a, a weakness and I have to find, okay, where is my weakness? And then I can remediate it. And this is a simple process to remediate because you have the clear identification of where the mismatch is. You have the raw data um, that we're going to recognize and put into an application uh, name, uh, version, etc. And if that machine isn't reporting that uh, back, then it's obvious where the, uh, the remediation needs to take place. And Mike, let's say that your client's been through the air track process and they discovered a, a, you know, an exception whereby data is missing from, from, from asset management. Let's say you know, 250 devices are missing out of Active Directory or whatever, whatever the case might be. Now, you can't just raise a ticket and dump that on the service desk and expect it to be done, or can you? We, but I guess there's the, there's the whole Pandora's box thing with ITAM, isn't there, that the more accurate yeah. your discovery is the more mess you discover that needs fixing and you get this sort of uh, trough of disillusionment whereby the client thinks oh flipping heck i've got all this work to do because of all this stuff that's wrong um how do, how do you manage that with with clients and, and what do they do so so really what we look to do is to um prioritize the findings with the clients to say you know these are big problems that you need to address and these are the ones that May, you may want to consider uh, further down the path, but don't worry about them too much for now because they're not in line with what you're trying to achieve with your um, with your strategy around IT asset management. So these, there's a couple of concepts. We've talked about you know, breadth of data source accuracy, so do the objects exist in a source or not? But you're right, Martin, there's also that concept of depth to say um, do the attributes, if the, if the objects exist in two different sources, do the attributes match in both of those systems? And that's becoming increasingly important, as you said, with um, licensing being charged based on the power of the device or the, the type of CPU or the number of cores. If one inventory source is saying something has four cores and the other one's saying it's got eight, where do you go to? Which one's wrong and what needs to happen with that? Yeah, and which, the way that you one get these things right. Exactly, that's right. So it's about saying, which one do we trust for this particular attribute? And what do we do about the one that's not telling us the right thing? Is there a hot fix that we need to apply? Is there a known issue with the vendor? It's about prioritizing the issues, understanding what it means to you, either from a, an IT asset management perspective, from IT service management, from lifecycle management, and then making sure that you address those accordingly. It's not about raising all of the issues all at once and saying, we've got a big problem. It's about picking your battles, getting return on investment, and then keeping on moving through your program. Because ITAM's a journey, it's not a sprint. I've, I've seen right. It's a never-ending uh, story. I, I've seen a number of um, companies go through the ITAM. You know, they're trying to stand up an ITAM practice, which includes discovery, inventory, and then perhaps license management, and then full-blown ITAM lifecycle later. And they get to the discovery bit, and they actually discover loads of security issues, which weren't even on the horizon, weren't even on the agenda, but suddenly they become top priority because they've uncovered this massive security risk. So immediately the inventory and the discovery uh, sort of recoups itself in terms of ROI, but not for the reasons they expected. And it's almost a bit of a pain because of the security issues. And they think, oh, my God, I've got all this work to do. But it also demonstrates the power of inventory. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we've just had an, another example where we did an assessment of data quality with one of our customers before we implemented an IT asset management solution. And one of the sources that we pulled in was the, the billing schedule from their outsourced service provider who was supposed to be looking after their, their server infrastructure. What we found was 350 servers that only existed on the invoice from the outsourced service provider. And that was costing the customer $140,000 per month in service that they weren't getting from their outsourced service provider. 
But conversely, what we also found was um, 200 servers that were not on the invoice that should have been on the invoice. That means the customer wasn't tracking them. So again, as a result of somebody wanting to do an IT asset management initiative, what we found were data quality issues that helped them to address problems in other areas and achieve direct cost savings and mitigate risk in the environment. So you're right, the ITAMs, you know, uh, what people say they want to go with, but it, it tends to drift off in lots of different directions. So we've talked about, um, uh, I'm just thinking of the risks and the opportunities. Here. So we've talked about leasing, we talked about the risk, we talked about hardware asset management, we talked about security, license management, accuracy. If I'm just about to embark on this, I mean, some of these are quite obvious to me, but if, if if I'm thinking, yeah, we really need to tighten up our data quality and, and the, the, you know, make sure we're actually bringing the, the right accurate level of data, where do I start with this? Where would you recommend people start exploring this as an opportunity and building the business case for this? And that's a question to both of you. So um, I'd, I'd advise people to pick the battles. So what we find with a lot of customers as well is that we want to manage everything. You know, that's the, the big statement. That's what we call a, a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal. And what we advise the customers is that build a roadmap that's going to be that you can take off in bite-sized chunks. So your primary focus might be on your Windows desktop and server environment to begin with, then moving into Unix and Linux, and then moving into other areas. And what you need to do then is to say, okay, to be able to manage my Windows servers and desktops, what information do I need? From which source will I get that from? And how do I assess the accuracy of those sources? So building a mini plan within your uh, your broader schedule is important to say, right, this is what I'm going to address first, and these are the potential issues that I may find and how we can remediate before we move on to the next one. So undertake an initiative with a series of activities to get the benefits. If you don't get the benefits, reconsider moving to stage two before you finish stage one. Right. And Dave, anything to add there in terms of uh, helping clients discover this as uh, I imagine by the time they reach Raynet, they've already got a case for looking at inventory discovery, but how would you help them if they need helping? Well, actually, um, we we get several customers that um, are just in the beginning and don't know what they need to do. And our advice in the beginning, um, it, it it's very tough to build a, a long-term um, roadmap when you don't understand what you even have. So for us, phase one is always the... Uh, the discovery, find out what assets do I have out there, hardware, software, inventory those, and get all that back in to where I can um, look at what do I even have out there. And then I can start to uh, build my long-term asset management. Um, I need to first understand what, what am I discussing, what is my landscape built of. And that's where we find um, even in smaller customers uh, with uh, under 10,000 devices, um, they, they are surprised to see what assets that all of a sudden they have, and sometimes they're surprised to see that they're not quite as big as what they initially thought they were. So before we do any kind of long-term planning, we want a good uh, discovery and inventory of all of my, my hardware and software, and hardware being everything would you, that's on the network. Would you discriminate between servers and desktops? Would you go in and do data center first, or do you not, are you not worried about that? You just go for complete asset count? It's a complete count for us because it's the total that counts. Um, and actually the, um, the, the servers, uh, the data center, and even though a lot of people like to shy away from that, uh, that's one of the easier ones to um, inventory. So um, we don't segregate there. A device for us is anything that can be attached to the network. And that's the only limitation we have. If, you're, if you can't attach to, to the network at one point or time, then this is not a device for us that we're going to be able to um, manage. And you won't be able to get it um, adequately in your asset management, somewhere you need uh, it to be on the network at some time. So we actually, so sorry Dave, just to jump in, we, we look to address that in different ways as well. So if we know that customers have employees that are going to be roaming and not connecting to the environment on a regular basis, but what we do is to bring in information from those other sources and say, okay, we know this is an active asset because it's in these three sources, and we know the last logged on user, and they are still active in my HR source. How can we go about getting that information from that device from a source that we didn't expect in other ways? So do we put um, an agent on there that as long as the device has internet connectivity, it can report back to asset management? So we try and think about things a little bit differently, but similar to what Dave said, we don't 
discriminate between desktops and servers. We and network equipment or Oracle databases, we bring all the information in and then allow the customer to segregate the data so they can slice and dice and analyze it whichever way they want and then pick their battles. But just to clarify network, um, I use specifically the wording network because the solution you're referring to, we, we have um, what we call the offline mode for the inventory, but offline is relevant because um, networking, we, I never said it has to be your intranet, um, whether it's intranet, VPN, or in the intranet, for me that's a network. So, um, and it's about the data communication. Uh, it may even be a USB stick that um, somebody is, um, is mailing in that gets uh, uploaded into the um, asset management that then populates um, their device information and inventory that was gathered. So but when I say network, um, somewhere um, at some point in time, the data that's on a device has to be brought into what we call the UDC concept. So uh, final question for you, gentlemen, is um, about the sort of growth of the potential scope of devices. So um, I've, I've, we've seen in the ITSM market, um, I, I remember a few years ago when ServiceNow did their IPO, um, and they've been become a very popular choice in the last few years in terms of service management. Um, when they did their IPO, they didn't they didn't value the market potential for ITSM based on help desk traditional help desk ticketing market. They based their IPO based on the broader uh, platform play. So let's not just apply process to the service desk, but also apply it to facilities and to HR and to any other internal back office that could do with process and, and um, case management and ticketing and stuff. Now, that, they weren't the first company to do that. People have been doing that with help desk for years, but they were the, I think they're one of the first to really popularize the, the, the marketing of it, and they've done very well from that at building this platform. And I potentially see, I've been thinking over the last few months about potential for ITAM to grow in a similar fashion because it's been forecasted that I think the average individual in a corporation is going to have three to five devices. And in the in the future, um, in a corporate environment, that, that might be 10, that might be a lot more. Is that potentially the remit of ITAM to look after those devices, do you think? And um, where do you think, do you think that's an opportunity for ITAM to expand? If I could come to back to Mike, you first. Sure, yeah, well, I, I absolutely see it as an opportunity for ITAM to expand its, its capability. So if we're currently talking about what we look after right now, and if we think that we've got good data, good data quality, we're tracking these things well, why can't we apply the same concepts to broader sets of data, to broader sets of devices, whether it's um, bring your own, choose your own, um, devices that you wouldn't have even thought of existing in IT asset management in the past, the same processes apply. So I think if we can take what we've learned from IT asset management now and start to look at how we can expand into the future with Internet of Things, as Dave said before, managing toasters within the office space or printers or whatever, I think there's, there's large-scale opportunity for us to continue to grow IT asset management. And Dave, if I could come to you, I guess if you identify um, a device on the network and it is a toaster, it's not because you want to manage that toaster, it's just because perhaps you want to isolate it as a toaster and therefore eliminate it from you know, your inquiries really so that you don't need to manage it. How, how, what's your view on this, on the scope and the potential for ITAM in that space? Well, I think before you can um, determine what you want to do with something, you first must understand what do I even have. So um, if you don't even know that you have a toaster in your environment, then um, it's pretty tough to make a decision of how you want to manage it. So I think that the whole asset management uh, is built around the foundation of a discovery and then giving you the option to decide whether I want to disregard this uh, type of device or whether I really want to manage it. You may find uh, devices on your network and occasionally we do that actually. We find devices uh, through our SNMP tracker where the customer says, oh yeah, that's great, cool, I know about it. I don't want to manage it. I don't want it in my. Um, uh, I don't want it in any of my CMDB. I don't want it to be uh, in service now because I don't want people opening tickets for this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we can um, exclude it then from further um, inventories, um, et cetera. But 
it all comes down to the bottom line is if we hadn't discovered it, we wouldn't have been in a position to make the decision whether we want to manage it or not. Right. Just one last thing there, Martin. So it's, um, it's quite important you bring up the toaster idea as well because that is if Raynet can discover a toaster on a network, it might not be important for IT asset management, but it might be important for facilities management. They want, may want to be able to leverage the processes and the data sources that we have to do their job better. So as an example, if they do um, electronics testing of all of the devices in the office uh, in, a, in a given year, and through Raynet they find that there's 500 devices, toasters, fridges, kettles, whatever, that haven't been tested for electronic safety, then that might be a risk on their radar that we can help them with. So there is an ever-expanding scope of what we can do with asset management, not just IT, but for a broader organizational context. And, and yep, Dave, exactly. Dave, if I could just um, forgive me for getting a bit technical and, and getting into the weeds here a little bit, but um, and this might be showing my naivety, but when you ping a device or when you bring back the MAC address, there's, there's ways and means of identifying what that device is using the MAC address or using the credential so you can say okay that's a printer and then some devices will then talk back to you to say I'm a printer and I've got this much ink left or whatever uh, and there's this obviously when you're going into things like toasters or anything else that might be connected to the network what or fridges uh, or or it might be a you know a um, you know corporate device a, a serious asset um, What's the what's the technology like these days in terms of talking with those and responding and identifying them? Well, the technology um, to communicate uh, is very good. That's come um, um, a long ways. We're we're leveraging the SNMP, um, the latest version, and the communication is there, so we can we can discover and we can communicate with these machines where we segregate um, ourselves and there's not a lot of these solutions on the market because it's a very difficult um, process of managing um, what you found and matching it back to uh, something that, that we can understand because just MAC IDs and all this data coming back um, that hasn't identified for me yet what kind of device that is. Well, we have a very huge database um, of a lot of hardware uh, whether they're printers, et cetera, where we can bring that uh, raw data coming in and we can um, recognize it and through footprinting match it back to what um, we know it to be a device. And that's a learning um, process for us. That means that uh, all of our customers that are using our SNMP tracker, they're um, updating their unknown devices because occasionally things will be found. And I use the toaster because we actually have a customer where uh, not long ago found toaster, toasters in their environment uh, that um, they didn't even know they had. We didn't know what they were, but we were able to uh, find IP addresses, MAC IDs, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, then we tracked them down and now we've updated the database. So now anybody else that purchases this toaster is going to get the inventory back and find out, hey, I have a smart toaster in my environment. So, I, I yeah, I use that one because we've actually lived that one. And I guess the smart, the smart way of doing things in terms of a process is actually to put in, using your example, Mike, and uh, we're using a toaster here, and perhaps we're being a bit flippant with it, but uh, <laughs> there, there are significant assets that are on the network. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of if you're in manufacturing and you're printing out, uh, dispatch labels or something then it might be a fairly cheap printer but it's actually mission critical that that's operational for example but let, let's pursue with the toaster so the 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 date of the uh, electricity testing that you mentioned Mike might be a certain date and rather than just sticking a sticker on the side of the device you could actually put that in the asset management system couldn't you so you could be alerted when there was a renewal and I think that's the potential opportunity to automate a lot of this stuff and to say things like, show me the devices that haven't been in the last 30, 60, 90, 160 days. So you can build a program of work and assign resources based on a, a rolling schedule of assets. Instead of it being a, a large, high-touch activity, it can be a slow and steady throughout the year. So there's lots of different benefits where you could potentially improve operational efficiency, reduce costs, and reduce disruption to people doing their day-to-day -day work. Absolutely. Well. Um fascinating potential for the ITAM market um, in, in the future as, as more and more devices get connected. We've talked about um, 
very much domestic, you know, things like toasters and fridges, but uh, there's obviously a lot more commercial, you know, um, devices that might be connected to the network, which is also fascinating. And there's obviously an existing industry for uh, general ITAM and managing the helicopters and uh, aircraft carriers and fleets of trucks. Uh, there's a whole discipline around that. So maybe those worlds will collide in the future. Uh, in the meantime, thank you, gentlemen, very much for your time today and look forward to connecting with you at our conferences and learning more about both AirTrack and Raynet over the coming months. So thank you very much for your time. All right. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Martin. Cheers. Bye-bye.